<clears throat> so this week I had to go to Boston <clears throat> for pre uh, post operative testing, and uh, and I pretty much figured that that was just going to be um, go in, uh, take some blood, um, do a nasal swab, uh, tell you you know what they're going to do, and then send you out the door. And I I was looking at it as kind of a wasted trip. Um, but I was pretty confident we'll be in, be out. <clears throat> and, it, and it went pretty much that way, like I thought it would go. And just as they were letting me go, she said, oh, 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 wait a minute, you have to meet with the case manager. You have to meet with the case manager. You can't go anywhere. So I said, all right. So I waited around, and the case manager came in, and she said, yeah, this is the most important part. You know, we've, this part, this information we need, and we need to go over with you. She said... You know, we're expecting things to go okay, but if things don't go so well, um, we'd like you to pick out two nursing homes in your area that you'd like to go to. And I said, what? She goes, well, we're not anticipating anything. But if you could pick out two nursing homes, um, and she gave me a sheet of all the nursing homes in our area, and, and, and I thought... So this is what that will be like. Um, I just didn't see it coming that quickly. Um, And so I I picked out the two, and I thought, all right, that's done. And she said, now, if by chance things were to really go badly, we would like you to pick out two rehab hospitals you would like to go to. And she hands me the sheet of paper. And I'm thinking, and do I pick out my plot next? (laughs) Uh, Luckily not. Uh, But I walked out of there just dazed and confused and thinking, what I'm thinking, what they're thinking, don't seem to be meshing too much. It's interesting how that goes in life, how we think... And how others think. I, I was musing this week about um, what it must be like for God to listen to what we think. And what we think about him. What we think he thinks and what we think about what he says. And, and what we think about what others think about God and what others say about God. And in my own crazy musings, I thought, what would, what would it be like if God showed up to me and said, Fred, let's talk. I, I, I want to talk to you. How would I think? Would I think like as a person? Would I think as a pastor or as a counselor? And then I really started musing. I thought, started thinking, Okay, so if I kind of slipped into the role of, if I just came to the church and he wants to talk, so I bring him into the counseling room? <laughs> and, and, and then what do I say? What's on your mind? <laughs> More than I could handle. Or um, if he seemed upset and angry, what I say to him, just let it all out? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'd want to say to God, just let all your anger out. 
Or if he was describing a situation, would I just kind of go into the smug cliches of, and how did that work for you? God, obviously, it worked fine. It's ridiculous to even think like that because if God walked in the room, I'd be dumbstruck. I'd be in awe. I I wouldn't know what to say. Like all those who have seen God or have seen even the back of God, they melted in, in, in awe and even in fear. But it's interesting. When I think about God and when I think about what God thinks, I'm pretty comfortable with that. In fact, when I read the Bible, I'm pretty comfortable with the way he thinks, even though I'm kidding myself sometimes. Because his thoughts aren't my thoughts. And if I just approach it in the way that I think, boy, that can get messed up. I mean, think about the times that, um, that you've read something in the Bible and you've thought to yourself, what does he mean by that? I mean, what does God mean by that? And, and the more you, th- you look at it and you think out of, out of your mindset, you just get, you get lost in it. Um, when you try to apply your norm of thinking on the way that God thinks, boy, you can just get messed up. Um, and that's why we think a lot of messed up things. We can just get distorted. We can be like people who say all sorts of stuff and we say, well, that, that's not right. I mean, when we hear folks saying, all God wants you to do is be a good person. Or God doesn't care what you believe as long as you're sincere. Or God just wants you to be happy. Well, we know that that's messed up, at least most of us do. And yet, we think messed up things just like that. And part of the problem is, we don't, um, we don't act like we would act if God were face to face with us. We don't act as humble we don't take a learning stance. When, when we read the Bible or we hear someone talking about God and we debate about God, we do it within the context of what we think. And we come up with a lot of wrong answers. And particularly in those areas of the scriptures where sometimes we read stuff and we say, what are you talking about? <clears throat> What's the key to avoiding thinking the wrong things, thinking messed up thoughts, it's simply that. The key to avoiding it is stopping and just asking, God, what do you mean by that? Instead of assuming that it's a typo in the Bible or or God just had a bad day or our interpretation's good enough. Stepping back and just saying, God, what do you mean by that? 
For the next few weeks, we're going to engage in a series called God, What Do You Mean By That? And we're going to look at <clears throat> some fun passages. Uh, we're going to look at some passages in Scripture that, that just about everyone reads in the Bible and they struggle over and they think, God, what are you talking about? I thought you were this, but you're acting like that or you're, you're saying this and you should be saying it that way and you're not. And, and what's going on, God? And hopefully, as we do that together, we'll come up with some answers that will help us to get some better understanding of what God means. But my primary focus and my primary goal is to develop some tools for us so that when we come up against those things in the Bible, when we come up against those conversations of other people, we'll be able to step back and discern based on just some basic principles of what God might mean by what God is saying. And so this morning, we're going to begin um, looking at one of those difficult passages or difficult statements in the Bible. And it's found in... Psalm 5. Psalms are Old Testament and kind of right about in the middle of the Old Testament. And we're going to put it up here. You can follow along in your Bible. This is a song written by David. And David is a great king. And he writes this psalm, we believe, at about the time that um, his third child, Absalom, has turned on him and is hunting for him. Absalom was, um, was uh, I think if you probably looked at uh, King Arthur and, and, and his nephew, my nephew Mortimer, um, who Arthur came up with the title Blood is Thicker Than Water was devised by undeserving relatives because... His nephew was just a horrible person who wanted nothing more than his kingdom when he thought the kingdom was weak. Well, that was what Absalom was like. Except the Bible tells us that Absalom uh, was a person who was very, very handsome, even pretty. He was a person who had incredible hair and it was beautiful, it was described. He was a person uh, that today, if you saw him, he'd be driving around, around in a Ferrari. Because even in the Old Testament, it talks about how he had one of the best chariots. And he had 50 men running out in front of him. And just, I mean, he had an entourage. He would make the people today in Hollywood and rap music look like amateurs. In his day, Absalom was a pretty cool cat. And he was a person that, he had, had a gifted tongue. He could just schmooze anyone into anything. In fact... He turned the people against his own father, David. He turned them against him saying, you know, he's a good guy, but, but you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth and, and his judgments really aren't as fair as they should be. And, and, you know, I know I would do it differently and you guys would probably get a better shake out of it. And all of a sudden, the people just jumped on the bandwagon and Absalom decided... I'm going to strike and take my father's kingdom. 
And so he went hunting for his own father, and David was on the run at the time he writes this. In fact, uh, we kind of look at Psalm 3, 4, and 5 as maybe even going together because uh, Psalm 3 is a morning psalm where where David is praising God in the morning. Uh, Psalm 4, he's praising him at night, and Psalm 5, he's praising him again in the morning. So it might be that this was written consecutively. But look what we read in the psalm. David writes this, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. It's a pretty bold thing to say to God, listen to my words. But David felt comfortable with God. David knew God would hear him. And he says, listen to my lament. Hear my cry for help, my king and my God. For to you I pray. Now let me just tell you something. Especially as we enter the the election period. This is important. Because David, who was king, saw himself as just a servant of the king. David saw himself as just a peasant before God. And for David, the only king was not himself, but it was God. Unlike many of the kings of that day who thought they were God, David knew he was not God and he knew who God was. He said, In the morning, Lord, hear my voice. In the morning, I will lay requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. Now, who is he talking about? He's talking about his his son. He's talking about his son and his friends. You're a God who's not pleased with wickedness. David knew God had no stomach for the wicked. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. Now, are you all cool with that? You don't like wicked people, do you? Anyone does raise a hand? Please, nobody who was baptized. Um, You don't like arrogant people, do you? No. But he then goes on and says... You hate all who do wrong. You hate all who do wrong. Now I got a problem. I want God to hate all who do wrong. Don't get me wrong. I want him to hate sin. I, I want him to hate evil because what kind of God is if he doesn't like? I mean, what kind of God would God be if he just, if, if, if he was okay with that stuff? <clears throat> but the problem is, he doesn't just hate the wicked or the evil or the arrogant. The psalmist says, you hate all who do wrong. And see, my concern is, It's not so much for myself. It's for all of you people. Um, No, it's it's for me because when I read that, I think, hold the phone. How can God hate 
all people who do wrong. What does that say about God? Isn't this the God who says in the New Testament that we are to love our enemies? I mean, does God get a pass because he's God when it comes to loving his enemies? He doesn't have to. Is this a different God than the God of the Old Testament, of the New Testament? The God that Jesus represents in love and sacrifice and healing and forgiving. Is this the same God? Or does God contradict himself? Does God change his mind? Is God fickle? One day he says, I'm going to send my only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish. And then the next day says, "Mm, nah, not so much today. What does God mean when he says he hates those who do wrong? And, And just a practical note, how do we live with that? How do we live with the fact that God hates those who do wrong and we know we do wrong? Now, we live in a world that doesn't like the word sin or sinner. If you went ask someone on the street, are you a sinner? They would say, no. It's interesting, if you were to ask people, do you think this world's messed up? They would say, oh, yeah. Do you think that people are selfish? They would say, absolutely. Do you think that people are out for themselves and not for anyone else? They would say, most likely. But they would never say, people are sinners or I'm a sinner. It's funny how we create that cognitive dissonance where we'll get close to it, but never too close because it might mean we have a problem. It might mean we're on the wrong side of God. Or if we don't believe in God, we're on the wrong side of good. And how are we left to feel if we are? Guilty? Walking around just saying, yep, God hates people who do wrong. I do wrong. Therefore, Ipso facto, God hates me. Are we supposed to walk on eggshells hoping that maybe God will change his mind back? Or live with a point system saying, okay, God hates those who do wrong. But maybe if I have more points doing right, God will like me. Because, you know, if you do more right than wrong, then you got to get something for that. Or, or maybe we'll just say, I'm not listening to that. I want to go back to the passages that say, for God so loved the world. I want to go back to the passages that say, for God wants all people to be saved and come to the truth of Christ. Or maybe I'm just going to say to heck with it. If God hates all those who do wrong and I do wrong, then what's the 
sense of even trying to do right. I'm just going to go have fun. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And, you know, if I die, I want to go out with a bang. You know, I don't want to go out just fearing when God's going to get me. If God's going to get me, then I might as well at least go out having fun. And we hear people saying that all the time, right? You know, yep, I'm going to hell. And they laugh. <clears throat> or maybe we do this. Maybe we step back and we say, God, what do you mean by that? Maybe we just take a breath, step back, and pray and ask. And if you do, and if you look a little harder, you'll come to know what God means. When we look at the Bible the way the way God would have us to look at it. We have to look at God's words. In other words, we have to begin with what we call construct. What is God saying and what he's saying? What's the construct? What's the concept that he's trying to get across? Now, <clears throat> when you and I think of hate, what do we think of? We think of, of of anger. We think of revenge. We think of just letting wrath pour. The construct for anger for us when we think about it is revenge-based, getting even. But think about it if you're God... Does that construct really hold up? Because God doesn't need revenge, does he? God doesn't need to wait and find an opportunity to get you. If God wants you, God will have you. So we know when we look at the concept of God hating, we know that it's not about revenge-based. It's not about getting even. It's not about getting a pound of flesh. Now, God hates evil. God hates wickedness. God will deal and judge evil and wickedness and the people who do it. But the construct, what what it really means is simply this. That God's hatred of what is wrong and evil... It is that of constraining it. It is that of dealing with it. Now, that's, I know this might seem kind of like, well, that's, okay, big deal. But I want, you're going to see the big deal in a minute. But you have to look at the construct. When he hates something, it isn't like the way we hate it. When we hate it, it's because we personalize it, and we've been hurt, and we want a pound of flesh. That's not the way that God hates something. When God hates something, when he hates sin, when he hates a sinner who does the sin without repentance, it's because he wants it to stop. And yet he will deal with it 
with wrath, if that's what it takes. <clears throat> Not only the construct, but you have to look at the context. Now, I want you to think about this. It's David who's saying, God hates those who do wrong. Well, David was a guy in the Bible. Therefore, David was a good guy without sin, not like us, right? No. David was a king who, in his later years, was sending soldiers out to fight and unlike most kings, wasn't going out with them to join in the battle. And, and one day when he was just kind of hanging out on the lanai, hanging out on his deck, he looked down and below him he saw this beautiful woman who was undressed before him. And he thought, I want her. I want her now. I want her for me. And he had her. He brought her up and, and he had an affair with this woman. And when the husband came home on leave, he realized, we got to get rid of this guy. And so he kept sending the husband closer and closer to the battlefield, knowing eventually somebody's got to get him. And they do. And God becomes angry at David. He becomes angry at David's arrogance and his wickedness and his evil. And yet, you know what the Bible says about David in the New Testament? It says that David was a man after God's own heart. How can that be? Very simply, because when David was confronted by his sin, he repented. He begged God for forgiveness. He, he did something incredible that most people can't do. He looked into himself and he said, what kind of wretched man am I that I would do something like this that I would judge others harshly for even lesser crimes and he cried out to God and you see it over in the Psalms and God forgave David in the New Testament In Luke's gospel, we're told that God forgives with joy anyone who repents. Can you put that up there, Chris? Look what we read. Luke writes, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to who do not need to repent all of heaven rejoices over one sinner the 99 righteous people who don't need to repent why because God is looking to curtail sin yeah God will deal with it 
and he will pour his wrath out upon it, but that's not what he wants. God rejoices when people like David who do horrible things turn around and come back. That's what God wants for every single one of us. To know that it's never too late to turn around and come back. I one time was preaching a message just like this in in a church years and years ago. And a guy came up to me right after church. Now, I had heard from the grapevine this guy was cheating on a second wife. I had no proof of it, and it was just talk. And, um, and he came to me in tears, and he said to me, can we, can we get together and talk? I, this, your message just really, it hit my heart. And I was rejoicing inside. I was rejoicing that we were going to sit down, and he was going to tell me that he was cheating on a second wife and that he was sorry and that he just wanted to turn around like he had heard. And so I met with him. And he said to me, what you said made so much sense. Because I'm cheating on my second wife with my first wife, so I should turn around and go back to my first wife. And I thought, is this the way ministry is going to be? Repenting means we turn around and head in God's direction. Repenting means that we recognize, you know what? Before God, I'm wicked. And I'm evil. And I do things that are hurtful. And that inside of me, there's not enough good to go before God and say, all right, put me on the scales and let it balance. And No. God wants nothing to do with our sin. When he hates sin and hates the sinner who keeps on sinning, who won't repent, yeah, there's judgment and wrath. But for that same sinner who turns around, all of heaven rejoices. You see, when we hear things that we don't understand what it means first thing we say is what's the construct what's going on what does God mean by those words when I look at other words in the scriptures what's the context in fact after David says that um, if you can skip down Chris um, at the end of uh, or at the end of that statement, after he says that he, God hates all those do, who do wrong, then we read David writes, but I, by your great love, can come in to your house and reverence, I bow down towards your holy temple. The same David who knew he was one of those that God hates now says, but I, I get to come back. And I get to be one that you love. And it happened by his repentance. We look at the construct. We look at the context. We look at the character of God. Here's the thing. And I want you to listen carefully. 
The Bible says that God is love. First John says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So right away, when we look at a passage and we say, God, what do you mean by that? Because you say you hate. Oh, wait a minute. Step back. God isn't hate. God is love. His character is not to hate. His character is to love. But to love, you, 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 you even have to hate. God can't be indifferent about sin. God can't say, <clears throat> I know you're, you're sinning and doing wicked things, but I understand you came from a one-parent home or, or you came from a poor school district or you didn't get enough likes on, on Facebook or you didn't have a gluten-free diet or, or you didn't get the therapy, the drugs. I understand it's okay. Don't worry about it. He doesn't say that. He hates the sin. And he hates the one who won't let it go. And yet, just like that, he falls in love with that same person and turns around and says, God, I can't do this anymore. Because God is love. And so, here's the principle I want you to keep in mind. When you come up against passages like this, when you're not sure what God means, don't assume God is mean. When you're not sure what God means, don't just assume that God is mean. Because he's not. You're going to read stuff in the Old Testament where God tells the people of Israel to just go out and wipe out a whole other nation, to leave nobody standing, to leave no child standing, and you think, God, come on. Bad day? What are you doing? This must be the mean God of the Old Testament, unlike the loving God of the New Testament. No. Same God. Because Jesus said over and over again that God is love and he is loving and he will send you to hell just as quick as what you see in the Old Testament. It's not that he is mean. It's just we have to step back and understand if God is love, then what does he mean by this? It can't be that he's mean. It must be that there's something else, something more going on. And I need to just look a little bit at the construct I need to look a little bit at the context. I need to look a little bit at God's character. And it will become clear. And even if it doesn't become clear to you right away, here's what you need to do. Just always remember this. No matter what you read, no matter how much you're not sure what God means, just know God is not mean. God loves you. God sent his son to die on a cross for you. He didn't come to mock you. He didn't come to rub your nose in it. 
Yeah, he came with a hatred of all that's evil and for all of those who indulge in it. But he also came with a love to pour out on any who would repent, no matter what they did. No matter an Adolf Hitler or Jim Jones or me. And see, that's the beauty of it. And if you can just live knowing in your heart that, yeah, God hates what's evil and wicked, but he loves people who repent. He loves people who try and screw up and screw up again and again and again and earnestly hate it. God gets it. He understands. The writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest in heaven who's unable to sympathize with us. Why? Because the high priest we have in heaven who sits at God's right hand, interceding for us, is the one who lived on this earth. the one who suffered, the one who went through all the pain and the humiliation, the betrayals and the embarrassment, the abuse that all of us go through that make us crack but didn't make him crack. But he understands how easy it is to crack in this world. So no matter what you read, no matter how you might look at something you hear or see in the Bible or someone says, And someone might even say to you, see, that's a proof that your God is mean. Your God is angry. No, he's not. No, he's not. Your God is love. He loves you with a love that is so deep you can't fathom. Jesus said, you who are evil and love your children, how much more Does your heavenly father love you? So when you're not sure what something means, just know that God isn't mean. Just step back with confidence and say, no, 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 that's not what that means. There's more to the story. And if you dig and you begin with the right premise, you'll get there.